0: Let's pray as we come to the Word of God. Father, we just reverence you in this place today. We say that your glory is what we need, Lord. And we need you to intervene in this city, Lord God. Many people are coming for wrong reasons to carnival. Others people are coming for right reasons. But Lord, we pray your protection over the carnival route and over the police and the security. We pray protection over, Lord, just outside the church. And we pray that you would intervene, Father God, past Kensington Park Road as people, past KT, that you would save them, that you would speak to them, Lord, and intervene in their lives in Jesus' name. Amen. Acts chapter 26. And verse 12. The title of my message today is The Light of Salvation. The Light of Salvation. The idea is that God intervenes in the lives of men, maybe not when you want Him to, but at the right time. And here in Acts chapter 26, you read the story of the Apostle Paul, formerly known as Saul. And in our prayer meeting, we were praying not just for souls to be saved, but for souls to be saved. Hallelujah. Hallelujah souls important people who will be able to bring people into the church somebody was telling me the other day of how they started the church and how it didn't go too well it started with 70 people then it went down to 60 people then it went down to 50 people then i said it started with 40 people and then it looked like the church was going to close until one person came into the church and this one person was a young person. He got radically saved. And he just had a line, a generation of friends. And he went out and he started to bring his friends into the church. The next Sunday, he brought two colleagues. They gave their life to Christ. The other Sunday after that, he brought another four colleagues. And it was a couple of weeks later, he brought in 30 people into the church. And all of them had given their lives to Christ. Hallelujah. Let's give Jesus praise for that this morning. He was a soul. He was a soul who turned into Paul and the church began to grow. And now it's a worldwide global ministry today just because one young man dared to believe God. Here in Acts chapter 26, Paul is before King Agrippa and he's given a big speech of how he had an encounter with God. And he goes on to say how he was on the road to Damascus. He was going the wrong way. He wasn't serving God. He was angry against Christians. He was angry against God. He had issues in his life, and his job was to drag Christians into prison. So he was as far as you can get away from God. But yet, the Bible says that Jesus shone a light upon him when he was on the road to Damascus. And the Bible says he fell to the ground, and he he said, Who are you, Lord? And Jesus responded, saying, I'm Jesus, whom you are persecuting. And then Jesus said to him, I will deliver you from the Jewish people as from the Gentiles in verse 17, to whom now I send you to open their eyes in order to turn them from darkness to light, from the power of Satan to God, that they may receive forgiveness of sins and an inheritance among those who are sanctified by faith in me. That's the grace of God right there. This man is against God. He's away from God. He's going against the flow of God. But yet God intervenes like light piercing the darkness. The light shone upon him. God's light, God's mercy, God's grace intervened in his life at the right time. How many people need God's mercy? We need God's grace. We need God's light to shine in our lives. I remember when we started the carnival uh, and we'd invite Tough Talk to come into KT and we'd have concerts on Monday, not just on Sunday, in the church and we'd have a car park concert outside. And I remember it was going on all day. It was like the presence of God just turned up on just this place of KT and in the car park. There was crowds of people outside, crowds of people inside. Tough talk, preached the gospel in here. 30 people responded to God. We were just like, wow, it's awesome. They went outside, they preached the gospel and another group of people responded to God. And we just kept doing this. They preached three or four times. And at nine o'clock at night, as you can expect, after the carnival, they call it the carnival after party. Anybody join the after party today? After party at carnival, people drinking, binge drinking, and they decided to join the after party of KT. But well, they didn't know that that was all about light. It wasn't about darkness at all. It was about the light of salvation. And tough talk at 9 o'clock at night... Tired, maybe in their physical body. We dragged them out. Say, preach one more time. And I remember this woman, she was drunk. She was swearing. And she was just jumping up and down like this. And then light pierced the darkness of her soul. She burst into tears. And when Tough Talk said, who wants to receive Jesus? She was the first one who lifted their hand. And we prayed with her right there. Gave her a Bible. (laughs) Hallelujah. (laughs) For me, that's what carnival is about. Carnival is... Yeah, people are celebrating their flesh. There's many good things like culture. I know there's a Grenadian corner where some of the Grenadians our church kind of group together. I know there's many of the West Indians that are celebrating some good stuff. But we also know there's been bad stuff in the past. Whatever the motive of people coming to carnival, it's my prayer that God pierces the darkness of their lives. That God intervenes in their lives just like he intervened in the life of Paul here on the road to Damascus. And Paul said our job as a church is to intervene in the darkness. Now, I've got hope. I've got hope for Manchester United. Hallelujah. And every morning, I put the newspaper on on the internet. And, and for some reason, I don't have the sport of my favorites. Maybe I should switch that uh, over. But I have to go on the news report first. And as you go on the news report, you can be bombarded with all this darkness, this bad news. Murder, rape, immigrants dying. I mean, I was discussing with Toyin the other day. Are they migrants dying or are we not concerned about them? It seems like 14 people got killed down there in the plane crash and everybody was like, oh my days, there was a plane crash in Sussex. Oh, 100 people, 100 migrants died in the Mediterranean the other day. We're not bothered about that. And what happens to us? We were bombarded with this darkness all the time. And yet it seems to desensitize us. We seem to lose our hope. I want to tell you this morning that the light of God is stronger than the darkness. God's light is stronger than the darkness. In the beginning, there was darkness over the face of the whole land, and the Bible said that God spoke, let there be light, and there was light. So there may be darkness in your life this morning. One of my family members called me last night. I was preparing this message, and he's gone through a tremendously tough time. He didn't tell me what it was on. It was on Facebook, and I just said to him, I just thought, are you happy? I haven't talked to him in six months. I said, are you happy? The text came back. He's gone through one of the worst times in his life. And I thought, my God, I pray for him right on the spot. And I said, God, I pray you'll intervene in his life because he needs you right now in the midst of darkness. Light shines in the darkness. The Bible says in 1 John 5, 1 John 1 verse 5, God is light. In him, there is no darkness at all. Do you need light today? The Bible says, Jesus is the light of the world. In John 12, verse 46, Jesus said, I have come as a light to the world. Whoever believes in me should not abide in darkness. That word darkness in the Greek is the word skotia, and it means deep darkness, sin. It means mo- moral depravity, gloom. I don't know if you were around for the London riots. This is the only thing I can describe as deep darkness. Deep darkness. I was out staring in my road in Northwood, not expecting there was going to be any problem. But as I stared out, teenagers walked up and down my street. And it reminded me when I was a child looking for opportunities for evangelism. I mean, not evangelism, for vandalism, sorry. <laughs> Thank God I've been changed from darkness to light. Hallelujah. <laughs> but at that time, it was just a fun thing to do. It seemed that during the London riots, it was something demonically inspired. Like darkness hit the whole of London at that time. And I remember feeling fear and anxiety. People fear that on a, feel that on a regular basis. And God has called us to shine our gospel torch into the world. John's gospel chapter 8 and verse 12, Jesus said, I am the light of the world. I am the light. Jesus is here to shine his light. And how does he shine his light? He shines his light through you and me in our daily walk, in our character, in our good works. In 2 Corinthians 4 verse 6, it says that the light of God has shone into our hearts. Before that, the first two verses, 4 and 5, it talks about a veil of blindness being on our lives. Before we were Christians, like Paul at all, he was blinded, he was away from God. And then suddenly the Bible says, when one turns to the Lord, the veil is taken away. And it goes on to say in verse 6 that the light of God shone into our hearts. And, we were, and the, we were revealed, Christ, Christ was revealed to us. How many people have received the light of God into their hearts? How did you begin to feel when the light of God? When light comes, hope comes. I remember I was st- staying at my grandparents when I was a young child. And my granddad was in the Indian army. And he had this leopard on the door. As you go on the door, this leopard on the door and then the house smelled of Indian spice because my nana, she was fully, fully Indian and they would make curries, that was their favorite dish. You know, Indian, Indian curries, the English people's favorite dish nationally. And I would smell this curry and I would hear, it was a foreign place to me, but it was very dark in there. They never hardly switched the lights on at night and my dad would put me to sleep and he, would, he wouldn't pray for me because he wasn't a Christian and he would just say, there you go. And, and I remember just feeling anxiety, fear. As a young child, and many children, experience that. And my dad would see the key word. He said, would you like the light on, son? And I'd say, yeah, yeah, daddy. I'd let the light on. And as he switched the light on, it would help me to get to sleep because I'd feel peace. I'd feel hope. I wouldn't feel anxious anymore. And I would just naturally sleep. That's what light does. It gives you hope in the midst of darkness. When you're reading the bad news, when the Malaysian air disaster happened, what did you begin to feel? My God, I don't want to get a flight anymore. I don't want to get another flight. Maybe I'll disappear in the air as well. And fear begins to grip your life. But Jesus is the light of the world. He is the true light. He's the true hope of the world. In John 3, it says, God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son. That whoever believes in him should not perish but have life. The light of life. Light came into the world, the Bible says, but men loved darkness rather than the light. God can intervene in your darkness. I remember in Westbourne Grove, there was a a gentleman who was stabbed in his heart a few times by his girlfriend. And one of our satellite pastors was telling me the story. I don't know, when you listen to to this story, suddenly you think, my, that is the norm sometimes in London. In in any area, it shouldn't be. We're, We're called to make a difference, but you hear this story. And she was walking past, and there was a party, or a wake, I think they call it. And the satellite pastor just went up and had a conversation with the. The lady who was there. And, and she said, What's going on? And she began to just tell, tell her about how her brother had been stabbed by his girlfriend, and they were kind of mourning. She began to preach the gospel and shine some light. She put her arm around her and comforted her. And as they conversed, the lady invited her back to the house, the family home, and said, Listen, will you come and pray for our family? Will you come and preach about Jesus? And our, one of the satellite pastors she had the opportunity to preach unto 50 people the hope of salvation and pray with people in the middle of Westbourne Grove to receive Jesus as their Lord and Savior. How are you shining your light? The Bible says in Matthew's Gospel 5, verse 13 to 16, that we are the light of the world. Jesus said, you are the light of the world, a city on a hill that cannot be hidden. Neither do we light our lamps and put it under a bowl, we put it on a lampstand that it gives light to all in the house. So let your good works shine before men that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father who is in heaven. As you're looking at the church on a whole, the church is called to be a beacon of light, a beacon of hope that's what we're doing this weekend, aren't we? As people walk past the church, we're believing that souls are going to be Paul's. We're believing that God's light is going to shine in the darkness of their lives. Now, you don't often see the darkness. You say hi and bye to people at work, and often you don't get into a conversation so deep enough to recognize the issues that they're going through. Maybe it is that the church is really asleep. Statistics tell us that it's easier to sleep in the darkness than in the light. Light Seems to irritate your sleep and you don't get a good night's sleep. I'm going to Brazil on Monday to visit some friends and they have these shutters. They have them in the Mediterranean, put the shutter down and the room is completely black. You go to sleep, you, when you get up, you don't even know what time it is. The shutter comes up and you think, oh my God, is it the afternoon? Is it the evening? Because you've just slept long, you've had a full sleep. I wonder if the church is sleeping because there's a lot of darkness. There's an increase of darkness out there and sometimes it desensitizes us. And we think, where is the hope? The average church in the UK is only open 15 hours a week. Hardly enough for a lighthouse to its community. If we were a lighthouse and people were boats out there and they were drowning and we were only open 15 hours a week, how could we possibly save all the people who are struggling and going through a tough time? The church needs to wake up. The Bible says in Ephesians 5, awake you who sleep, rise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. My prayer for you is that God's light will shine in you, upon you, and shine through you today in the name of Jesus. We need hope. We need the light of God to shine afresh in our lives. I was reading the Evening Standard, and I was going through all the bad news, and I, You know, I should have probably been reading my Bible, but you know how it is. You pick up the metro or you pick up the evening standard and you're going through. And then suddenly I was awake and I thought, my God, here's a good news story. The good news was there was a lady in the city center in Bank and there was a car accident and a lady was actually under the axle of the taxi, a white taxi. I don't know if you heard that story. And 30 Londoners were called upon to lift up the taxi and take the woman out from under the taxi because she was just about to die. The woman helping her, she didn't know what to do. At first, Londoners were just passing by like we often do. We don't speak to anybody. We don't engage with anybody. Not really interested. And the woman's like, come help, come help. And then she got desperate. She said, this woman is about to die. I need your help. Then suddenly 30 people came together and she instructed them to lift the taxi. That's what I call a light story, hallelujah. Someone who's willing to dare, to shout out, to call out and say, hey, I need you. I need you to rescue this woman's life. She's just about to die. She went to a hospital and started to recover. All because a lady allowed her good works. She became a light walker, hallelujah. A light walker. Someone who's a Christian here could be a light walker. They see Jesus in and through your life. Light gives hope, light gives peace, and light gives relief from the darkness. And I wonder if you need relief today. The Bible says there's a second way we can be light, not just be a light walker, but be a light talker. Conversations equal salvations. Conversations make people saved. It's words that connect with people. I remember preaching in the street, And God's power came upon me, and a guy stopped, and he stopped for 20 minutes. He came forward, give his life to Christ. And as he said to me, he said, you know what? Many people preach in the street, but there was something different about your preaching. The word entered my heart, and I felt something was changing me. Shortly after that, he came to the church. Why? The Bible says the way that light happens is through our words. The entrance of my word brings light, Psalm 119 and verse 30. The entrance of my word brings light. The entrance of my word brings hope. It's like when you're reading the Bible and you're going through a tough time and then a scripture jumps out at you. What does that do? It gives you hope. It gives you strength. It gives you faith. But you as a Christian, if you as a Christian need that, how much more do other people? People don't have the light. People are in darkness. They don't have a Bible. They don't even know Jesus, and yet you have Jesus, and you have his word, uh, and yet it's a challenge to share that word. We're celebrating 100 years of Elam this year, and how did Elam start? Elam started in healing revivals. God's presence visited Wales, and they said in the articles that it was like the light of God covered the whole of Wales, meaning the glory of God. Jesus began to shine his light of hope right across Wales, and people, 100 1,000 people were reported as giving their lives to Christ during the Welsh Revival of 1904. Who started the revival? Well, God started the revival, but there was a key man called Evan Roberts. And how did he make a difference? Well, before the revival, at age 12, he would go into the mine and he would converse with the coal miners about God. Remember what I said, conversations bring salvation. Conversations bring salvation. Evan was continually witness to men who worked with him in the mine. Every morning, he would arrive at the mine before others' workers so he could meet them at the entrance with a scripture verse for them to meditate on during the day. At the end of the day, Evan would meet the workers as they came out of the mine, asking them, has the Lord spoken anything to you regarding that scripture today? Once the revival was started at the chapel, the coal miners were one of the first to become saved and give their lives to Christ. And they could frequently be heard singing hymns to God and praising God in the mine. Now, why did these miners get saved? Why did they get saved in the revival? Because somebody was conversing with them. Evan Roberts, on a daily basis, giving them scriptures, interacting with them, connecting with them. It's the word of God that lights up people's soul. In John's gospel, when Jesus said, I am the light of the world, in John 8 verse 12, there was a woman caught in adultery. I mean, in the very act of adultery. She wasn't just caught, she was caught in the very act of adultery. We don't know where the guy went to, they only dragged the woman in, fr- in the front of Jesus. And so you can imagine this woman, she's, she's not only in darkness, but she's having a really bad day because she's caught, anybody ever been caught in sin? I know I, used to, I was caught thieving, lying, telling the truth. I, I took some money from my brother's money box and my mom said, who took it? I said, it wasn't me, it wasn't me. But you feel the guilt inside, don't you? You feel something happening. She was feeling guilty. It was her worst day. She should be stoned by the Jewish law. I mean, stoned. She's gonna be killed for the act of adultery. But when she's put in front of Jesus, Jesus starts to write in the ground, and he said, he is without sin cast the first stone. See, there's no one righteous, no, not one, the Bible says. None of you here are righteous except through Jesus Christ. Jesus is our righteousness. He is our light. Without him, we're in darkness, we're done for. This woman was done for. But when Jesus was left alone, because everybody left, he said, where are those who condemn you? He said, no one, Lord. He said, neither do I condemn you. Go and sin no more. Meaning you're forgiven your sins. I've forgiven you your sins. And then he said, I am the light of the world. Jesus came to give hope to people. He, He came to remove the guilt. He came to remove the fear. He he came to remove the anxiety. Do you feel any anxiety today in London? Do you feel any fear in London? Do you have any fear because of the bad news? Jesus wants to bring his light into your situation. He wants to shine his light into your heart, into your life, into your family. One word from God can turn around a whole situation. I remember a, a friend of mine, he was in a nightclub, he was telling a story and he was in a very dark place in his life and he needed divine intervention. He needed light in the darkness. He needed forgiveness, but he wasn't following God. He was like a soul. He was away from God. And he was in a nightclub, the Hippodrome. I don't even know if it still exists in Leicester Square. So long I've been there. In the Hippodrome, in the middle of Leicester Square. And he was a drug dealer. So he had drugs on him. And he was selling things. And he was on the dance floor as he usually was, going through a tough time. And then suddenly he heard a voice saying to him, It's time for you to get out. It's time for you to get out. He heard this voice. He was wondering what it was. The third time he heard the voice. It's time for you to get out. Quickly, he got out of the hippodrome with all this drugs on him and walked home. When he got out of the door, suddenly all the police had turned up in their vans, went straight into the nightclub and arrested every single person who was in possession of selling drugs. Something rescued him. Something, a word of light, a word of hope had rescued him. What was that word of hope? Well, when he went back home, he talked to his mom and his mom said, what were you doing at this certain time? In the night, oh, it was in the nightclub. She said to him, well, I was praying for you exactly at the same time that God would rescue you. At the exact same time. At the exact same time, light entered in and rescued that man. Shortly after that, he got on his knees and he prayed to receive Jesus into his life and say, God, have mercy on my life. How many people in London are going through a dark time and God has called us? London is a very lonely place. They say that London is the lonely capital of Europe. It says it's been the lonely capital for 40 years. 17% of people live alone. 29% of people live alone now. And that makes 7.7 million people. Loneliness speaks of darkness. But you know what? The Bible says that Philip was called to go down to a desert road, to a dark road in Acts chapter 8. He had to leave the revival. You know, it's easy to stay in KT, isn't it? Good preaching, good worship. Noah was amazing today. He's going to be amazing again this afternoon. And it's awesome just to sit in church and soak up the light and soak up the atmosphere and soak up the energy. But God called Philip. He said, go down to the desert road. Anybody want to go down a desert road? I mean, not me, not in London anyway. One of my friends, he went down a dark street and someone took his laptop. Another friend of mine who was in Bible school went past Wormwood Scrubs. I mean, you've got to know where to walk in London if you're going to be a light walker. And he was robbed. Someone took the money from him. London can be a very dark place, a very difficult place to be. But even in the midst of darkness, God has called us to go down and make a difference for him. Where the light is, where the darkness is, the light can be the strongest. I've been telling a story to to my son, and uh, I don't know if you've ever heard the story of Mr. Happy. It's not a biblical story, but it can be a biblical story. And Mr. Happy, he's in happy land, and everything's happy. He's walking down. The worms are happy. The trees are happy. The river's happy. Everything's got a happy smiley face, and he suddenly gets into the dark wood. In the dark wood, there's a door. He goes down the door. He finds another door. He knocks on the door. Nobody answers. He's thinking, who's in this? So he goes in by faith. Obviously, he was a happy Christian, goes in by faith. He sees a man, looks exactly like him. What is the man called? Mr. Miserable. He has a miserable face. There's no light. There's no happiness. He says, hey, how are you? He says, I'm Mr. Miserable. And that's when I tell the story to Judah that way. He says, why didn't you come with me? Come into happy land. Oh, Mr. Miserable. Anyway, he agrees to go up the stairs with Mr. Happy. And as he's going upstairs to Mr. Happy, and enters the wood. It's only a matter of time, hanging out with Mr. Happy, his miserable face starts to have a little bit of a frown. Something starts to happen to him. The light starts to shine in his darkness, in his misery. Then he goes along and he sees the worms and the countryside and the sunshine and everyone's smiling. Suddenly, a smile. Starts to happen on his face and he becomes happy to the point where he gets so happy he starts just belly laughing on the floor going ah <laughs> and you see a picture of him and Mr. Happy just falling on the floor being so happy. I want to tell you today that's what God has called the church to be. There's many people miserable, unhappy, lonely in a dark place and God has called you to shine gospel light, hallelujah, the joy. Bruce mentioned it earlier, the joy of salvation, the hope of salvation. And that's what we believe in God to do today, that He would shine in our hearts. 2 Corinthians chapter 4 and verse 6 says, The light of God has shone into our hearts. The light of hope. London needs hope. Notting Hill needs hope. You need hope. I need hope. Especially when we're faced and bombarded with darkness on a regular basis. This man, this Ethiopian, as Philip begins to share the gospel with him, he's reading the scripture, but he doesn't know what it means. He's blinded. The Bible says when one turns to the Lord, the veil is taken away. And it's interesting that he's reading the scripture about Jesus in Isaiah 53. He was led like a lamb to the slaughter. He's reading the story of the cross. I mean, if you want an opportunity to witness to somebody, let them be reading Isaiah 53. I mean, that's the easiest. What are you reading? He says, he starts to engage in conversation with the Ethiopian. And he says, I'm reading the scripture, but I don't know what it means. There's a veil of blindness upon him. But suddenly, Philip, the Bible says, preaches who? Preaches Jesus to him. Preaches Jesus, the light of hope, the light of salvation. He starts to preach him. Jesus died for you. He He is the light of the world. And the Bible says in Luke's Gospel 23 that when Jesus died on the cross, darkness covered the earth. Darkness was there on the cross. And when Jesus gave up his spirit, even the centurion that was next to Jesus on the cross, he said, surely this was the Son of God. There was an earthquake and the veil of the temple was torn in two. What Jesus did for you and I, he became darkness that you would receive the light of his life. There was a divine exchange He became sin with your sinfulness, that we may be right with his righteousness. Jesus died your death and my death, that we might receive his new life. The curtain was torn in two, so there's no separation right now between you and God. There's no separation between you and the light of God. God is light. Why? Because of what Jesus did on the cross. 2 Corinthians 5 says, in Christ, we're a new creation. Old things have gone and new things have come. Do you need something new in your spirit today? Do you need something new in your life? Do you need the light of God? This Ethiopian responded in an unusual way. He said, I need to be baptized. I mean, how many people come forward to receive Jesus and the first thing they say is, I need to get baptized. As Philip was preaching Jesus and the cross to this man, something supernatural happened in him. The Bible calls it being forgiven your sins. The Bible calls it being born again. Something supernatural. He saw that Jesus was Lord. He saw that Jesus was the Son of God. And his next sentence he says, What hinders me from being baptized? He's, Philip said, If you believe. He said straight away, I believe Jesus is the Son of God. How did he make the transition from not knowing to suddenly knowing? Because of one conversation. A conversation between him and Philip brought him to the point of belief where he knew that Jesus died for his sins and that he was forgiven. And that's why he said, you know what? I need to be baptized. How many of our friends right now need a conversation with you? But you're putting it off. You're putting it off because it's difficult. No one said it would be easy. The early church prayed a prayer And they said, Lord, grant to us that with all boldness we may speak your word. We need confidence. We need God's word. It's not any word. It's God's word. Remember, in the story of Philip and the Ethiopian eunuch, it was the spirit of God that took a hold of Philip and caused him to engage with this man about the gospel. I want to challenge you because these conversations that God has called us to have are light shining in the darkness. In your estates, in your communities, in your family, there is darkness. There's difficult situations that God has called you as a Christian to shine your light through your lifestyle, through being a light walker, and through being a light talker. Engage with people about the gospel by asking questions. I like us to bow our heads in prayer right now. I like the team to come back. Maybe this morning, you're in this place today, and we're going to pray And you need God's light to shine in your life today. You need God to intervene in your life, not just in the carnival, but you need God to intervene in your family. You need God to intervene in your future. There's a poem here I'd like to read. And in a few minutes, if you're in this place today and you've never received Christ, you don't know the light. You don't know his forgiveness. In fact, instead of forgiveness, there's fear. Instead of forgiveness, there's condemnation. And you need his forgiveness in this place today. Well, I'm going to pray in a few minutes. And I'm going to pray for people who need his forgiveness. Every Christian praying. Says, Lord, you are my light this world desperately needs. Let our lamps keep burning bright so the lost may come and see. The light of your love burning brightly in our hearts. Chasing away the darkness, revealing who you are. So your glory may be seen in everything we do in everyday happenings. May our lives acknowledge you. No matter where you send us, whatever land we're in, may your light pierce through the darkness, penetrating deep within. To stir up deep desire to truly seek your face and come fully into your light and receive your saving grace. Do you need his saving grace today? If you're in this place today and you, number one, have never received his forgiveness, and you need his forgiveness today, I'm gonna pray. And Jesus has come. He's gonna shine his light, the light of his salvation into your heart. He's gonna get rid of the darkness of sin, the sin that separates you from God. And you're gonna receive hope as you pray today. Secondly, if you are on the wrong road, Saul was on the wrong road, but God intervened in that road, and he became Paul, he was completely changed. This Ethiopian was on a road and Philip witnessed to him and he gave his life to Jesus. Maybe you used to be a Christian and today you're in this place Say, I need Jesus. I'm on the wrong road, I'm going the wrong way. I remember one of my youth leaders said to me, Christian, you need to make a decision from your worldly friends and following Jesus because they keep dragging you into sin. That was a conversation that changed my life and I decided, you know what? I'm gonna follow Jesus. I'm going to move forward with God. I know I want to do what God's called me to do. And you're in this place saying you need His forgiveness. I'm going to pray a prayer here today. And if you're in this place and you need His forgiveness, I want you to lift your hand in a few minutes. If you want His forgiveness, I'm going to pray with you. I'm only going to pray for people who lift their hands. But pray this prayer in your own heart. Say, Lord Jesus, I come before you right now and I need your light to shine on my life. My light is full of darkness. I need your forgiveness. Come and forgive me of all my sins. I believe you died on the cross. I believe you rose again on the third day. I believe that you're the light of the world. And this day I choose to follow you. Be the Lord of my life from this moment onwards. Thank you, Lord, for saving me.